Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Well, good morning, everyone. It's nice to be here. For those that uh, don't know who I am, my name's Linda, and it's lovely to meet you all. but, I, but it is nice. It's lovely to be here together as a church family. And if you are visiting, you're very welcome. So this morning, don't tell anyone. Don't tell. Shh. Don't tell anyone. It's a secret. We're talking about secrets this morning. We're talking about a particular lot of secrets that Jesus said. Jesus said throughout Mark particularly, shh. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. So we're going to have a look at what, what, what was the secret that he was telling not to tell. That, does that make sense? Telling not to tell. Why? Why was he saying that? And what on earth is it, is it relevant to us today? What does it mean for us? Is it still a secret? Should we even be talking about it today? Ah. Well, it's in the Bible, so pretty safe there. I was thinking about secrets. And one of the ones that popped into my head was pregnancy. Now, isn't it interesting when somebody's pregnant that there's all this kind of, Shh, oh, did you, oh, oh, I'm not sure if I, oh, I'm not sure if that's public news yet. Oh, no, oops. Or, or some people wait until 12 weeks and other people announce it as soon as they know themselves. Other people wait and wait and wait and then, oh, dear, there's that awkward time when you're like, are they pregnant or have they put on a bit of weight? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I won't say anything. I won't say anything. Have you learnt that rule? You do not say anything to a woman unless you're absolutely sure. <laughs> it happened to me <laughs> that one time. I remember when I'd put on a little bit of weight and somebody said, oh, congratulations. And obviously this is a little while ago. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> awkward. Major awkward. So just a warning to all of you, men and women alike, never, never assume that a woman is pregnant. Anyway, but we do have some pregnant women here, but I'm not going to tell you who they are, just in case, you know, now you're all going to think, oh, who are they? No, no. But maybe it's being kept a secret uh, for good reason. There can be a good reason to keep secrets. Um, for pregnancy, if, if there's a worry about whether the baby will go full term, you may just want to keep that to yourself. Or you may have shared it with one or two and then that's it. And then you just wait. You wait until you're ready to be able to tell. It may be a little bit uncomfortable. If do, people do know when something happens, um, that, that's, that's an uncomfortable feeling for, for the family. Um, it may be the opposite. You want everyone to know and even if something happens, you still want everyone. But it's... it's uh, different for different people. It, it may be that the extended family has their ideas about what the pregnant woman has to eat and not eat or do and not do and for that reason you might keep it a secret because the demands on the extended family or even friends or even society might be so overwhelming that the woman chooses to keep it a secret for a period of time. 
It may be it was not planned. And so there's a whole lot of social ramifications that first have to be dealt with by the woman who is pregnant before it becomes uh, public knowledge. It, it might be that it's going to affect, it shouldn't, um, affect career opportunities. And so the, the woman may think it's best just to keep it, keep it a secret for that time being until those, those things are resolved, new job or, or whatever it might be. And sometimes it's just nice to have a secret. <laughs> a nice secret like that. Sometimes it's just nice to hold it to yourself. And uh, so that it can just be something that is enjoyed uh, for a period of time by the family first. So there's lots of different reasons for the pregnancy secret. Uh, sometimes there's reasons for other secrets. But we're going to have a look at um, Jesus' secret that he was telling people just to keep on the, on the quiet for, for that time being. And so Mark is where we go. So if you have your Bibles or if you have your app ready, whatever it is that you use, if you would like to open to Mark chapter 1. Interestingly, same passage as what we uh, started with last week. Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 14 and going through to verse 45. And we're going to have a different... Uh, voice speaking it today. So Matt Pollack is going to read it from where he is. So um, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 to 45. Thanks, Matt. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? How have you come to destroy us? Sorry, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were also amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed the whole town gathered at the door and jesus healed many who had various diseases he also drove out many demons 
but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. All right. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. So the context of that reading, and thanks for that, Matt. Jesus had um, just been baptised by John the Baptist and then he was out in the desert for 40 days and then tempted by the devil and then he started his ministry and last week we looked at the first thing that he said, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. So that's where he started and last week we were looking at what is the kingdom of God and why is it that it's come near? In fact it's here, it's, it's here and it's to come, it's both and. And for us to understand that the kingdom of God, the new covenant has been fulfilled through Jesus and that that kingdom is available to all of us right now. We don't have to wait until we die. We don't have to wait. It's available to us right now and it starts with uh, changing who we are in our hearts at this stage right now. If you want more, go and listen to the podcast. <laughs> it's available on the website. But that's where we started last week. And we continue on this week with looking, well, what happens next? What did Jesus then do next? And so we're going to run through that passage that was just read to us and have a look at some, some key points. So if you've got your Bibles there, and I'm going to put up particular different um, passages up on, the, up on the screen. So verse 23, 24, it's talking about um, Jesus is saying, um, or the the evil spirit is saying, um, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus responds and says, be quiet, be quiet. So then let's skip to verse 34 or 32 to 34. And so there's all these people that are coming around and bringing their sick to Jesus. And Jesus heals many and, uh, and he drove out demons. And he says, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. They, he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Right, let's skip along to verse uh, 43. Or a bit earlier than that, but around verse 43. So he's, 
he's just healed this man with leprosy and said, be clean. And Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. He said, see that you don't tell uh, this to anyone. See that you don't tell this to anyone. So there's a number of times in this passage and throughout other passages where Jesus said, be quiet. Don't, he wouldn't let them speak. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. But why? why? Why is Jesus saying these things about being very secretive about what he's doing and who he is, that he is the Messiah, that he is God's son? Surely, surely he wants everybody to know um, who he is, that he's the Holy One. Um, the, the demons know it. They know who he is. Why wouldn't he let people tell them? So we're going to have a look at a few different things, again from this passage, and then we'll, we'll move into some other um, places in the Bible. So we're, going, we're jumping around everywhere in this passage, so I hope you've got it there. So in verse 27 and 28, there's some really practical reasons why Jesus had this uh, as a secret. So in verse 27, the people were so amazed, and they're like, who is this, and what authority? And then it says in verse 28, news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. If there's something interesting and exciting, uh, sometimes that news can travel just so quick, quicker than people. Well, these days it's, uh, it's even quicker than that, isn't it? But uh, the news spread about him. So lots and lots of people are getting to hear about uh, Jesus healing people. And then uh, we get this insight in verse 33 that it says the whole town gathered at the door. So just picture yourself, you know, back, back in those days where you'd have all these different towns that he was visiting. Now I'm not sure what the population of this town was, but the whole town gathered at his door? That's, that, doesn't, that doesn't work very well, does it? That's, that's a lot of people uh, in the one place trying to get into this little house where Jesus is and they're all there to see what's going on, see what's going on with this man. Just, you know, maybe some of them were sick themselves and they just wanted to be healed or they just wanted to watch what was going on. So many people, so many people. And if we skip into uh, just straight, straight after that, that in verse 35, so he straight after this whole town being at his door, then Jesus is like, out of there, want some time just with God, thanks. Some time by myself with God. And so he's, he's escaped, he's gone away, and he's uh, got up very early in the morning in order to do it. And then the, the Simon and his companions are like, where's Jesus, where's Jesus? We need him. And then they found him, and what did they say? They said, everyone's looking for you. Everyone's looking for you. So you can almost see Jesus kind of, you know, all right, okay, okay. Not quite sure if this is, this is part of the bargain. I was having my time with, with God, but um, yeah, everyone is looking for you. And then if we skip to um, verse 45, it says uh, at the very end there, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Uh, yet the people still came from everywhere. The people still came. So he, it just became impractical for him to be in towns, towns where there were just everywhere. They were just um, crowding him in. So from a practical perspective, 
there might have been a good reason why Jesus was saying, shh, don't tell, don't tell, because it was just, um, yeah, it just didn't work. But there was more to it than that, so let's, let's keep looking. So in verse 38, um, when Jesus said, let us go somewhere else so, so that I can preach, and, you know, that is why I've come. Let's go somewhere else so I can preach. That is why I've come. So, yes, he did come to heal. But remember what we learned at the very um, beginning of this passage was that he has come to, um, to have people repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. That's who he is. That's what he was there for. And, and so he wants to be able to do this. He wants to be able to preach to those. Uh, so let's go somewhere else so that I can preach. And, and that's why I've come. So there was a misunderstanding about why Jesus was there. And uh, he wanted to do what he was called to do. And then in verse 32, they brought all of the sick and the demon-possessed they just kept bringing all of the people to him and um, it was just overwhelming. It was overwhelming and maybe that's all they thought he was. Maybe they just thought he was a healer but they didn't understand anymore. We're going to skip over and have a look in Mark chapter 11 now. So if you want to have a look at Mark chapter 11... So this is now a time when Jesus is um, coming into Jerusalem and he is the triumphal entry where he's um, on a donkey and people are spreading their cloaks on the ground and as he come in, comes in, they say, oh, get it up from there, um, they say things like, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Blessed, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. So we've got here people thinking that he has come to be the, the king warrior, the king warrior, the, the warrior they thought was coming as, as from what was said in the Old Testament, the, the prophecies that they thought meant that they were getting a, a king, a, a king that was going to lead their army and was going to be uh, the kingdom of the father David. And so that's why they were so excited in the triumphal entry. So if you go back to where we were in, in chapter 1, they're starting to, some of them are starting to think, ooh, ooh, is this, is this the king who's going to be our warrior king, who's going to be uh, leading our army to, to be able to bring back the times that we used to have where we were in charge of ourselves? Remember at this time, we've actually got the Romans that are in charge um, of this area and the Jews are being um, ruled by Herod, who is king of the Jews. So yes, he is a Jew, but he's a bit corrupt so he got himself put in place by the Romans. The Romans appointed him and he, he didn't treat the Jewish people very well. Um, he made sure the Romans were happy, not necessarily that the Jews were happy. And so the Jews really wanted a new leader. They really wanted somebody, a new king to come and, and reclaim all the things that they knew from their heritage. Uh, they, that's who they wanted. That's who they thought they needed. Um, they were wrong, but... Sometimes we're wrong too. But uh, <laughs> it, it was, made it hard for Jesus. It made it hard if people thought that that's who uh, he was. 
if he was the, the king who was going to lead them, you know, they started saying, oh, well, you know, I'll fight for him. And um, they started to, to misunderstand why he was there. And even after he died, and if we um, have a look in Luke chapter 24, we've got the two people walking along the road to Emmaus and Jesus turns up uh, after he's been uh, brought back to life. They don't recognise him, but Jesus asks them some questions and they're talking about uh, what their hopes and dreams had been for this Jesus guy. And they said, oh, we'd hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. That's what we'd hoped. We thought he was going to be this, this king. We thought that that's who Jesus was. Little did they know, it was Jesus they were talking to. But maybe if, if too many people had known that he was the, the Messiah, um, as the, the demons were saying, if too many people had been told the truth of who Jesus was, they would not have understood and they couldn't understand until Jesus died, came back to life, and then they wrestle with it and, ah, oh, you know, then they work out who this Jesus really is. And if so many of them knew at, in, early, in the early stages incorrectly that he was a messiah, king messiah for the army kind of king, then that would have made it even harder for Jesus to do what he was there to do to ask people to repent and believe the good news. So it could have actually been quite dangerous because, well, you know what, uh, what ended up happening? Uh, Jesus ended up dying. In, and why did he die? It was because the leaders started to get worried about what he was doing. The leaders were worried that actually he was going to be this king, uh, that, you know, Herod's like, eh, this is not good, you know, and the... And the, the the people who were in charge were worried, 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 and so they ended up plotting and, and getting him killed. But if that had happened too early, then Jesus wouldn't have been able to show all the things and do all the things that he needed to do whilst he was still on earth, to be giving us this rich text of uh, examples and, and, and uh, parables and teachings and so much of what we now know from the period of time that he was able to be alive and the things that he was able to pass on to all of us. So it needed to be in the right time, in the right time. And we can't, we can't understand that, uh, well back then they couldn't, they couldn't grasp it until the fulfilment had happened, until Jesus had died. And even Peter, who ended up being uh, the, the, the rock of the church, Peter was uh, always putting his foot in it, but uh, even him, who he worked out in Mark chapter 8, so I'll just pull that up, he's saying, Jesus was saying, well, what do people say I am? Who do they say I am? And, and what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone. So even the disciples, when they had actually worked out really who he was, that uh, he warned them just to, shh, it's a secret. Don't tell anyone. But what about us now? I have heard it said that, uh, you know, it's important for us to have a private faith. We can have our faith with God and it's just between us and God. And nobody else needs to know about our faith and it's, it's, it's just a private thing. Well, I have to say that uh, can't really find that in the word. Can't find that in the word. 
Yes, there is this um, aspect of not telling any, anyone that we're looking at today, but it doesn't finish there. It doesn't finish there. So we need to look now at, is it still a secret? Is it still a secret? And I want to um, have a look at a parable uh, that Jesus told in Mark chapter 4. So this is Mark chapter 4, 21 to 23. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? And said, Don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. So maybe this is just a glimpse that Jesus is starting to say, you know, the things that are hidden are meant to be disclosed. Things that are uh, pregnancies, yep, eventually you find out about them. <laughs> um, they kind of have to be eventually found out about, don't they? Um, but there's also this secret of Jesus and it was important that it was disclosed at the right time and in a pretty jolly powerful way. So, as I've been saying, when Jesus died and came back to life, there was no longer any need for this secret. No longer any need. And let's just have a look at some of the evidence of that. So, we have a look at the, uh, a couple of the ends of the Gospels. So, that, you know, they've, they've given their, the testimony of Jesus Christ. What are they saying at the very end? So, we'll start in, in, uh, sorry, start in John. John actually says uh, what the purpose of his writings are. In John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these ones are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Well, that's pretty clear. No secrets there. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And by believing, you may have life in his name. Let's skip over to the end of Mark. In Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. No secrets there. No secrets there. And if we flick over to Matthew, at the end of Matthew, in what's uh, called the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 uh, to 20, we'll just read part of it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. No secrets there. There's no need anymore for this to be a secret of who Jesus is. That he is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. If you consider what happened in Acts in the early church. If you don't know about it, go and read Acts. It's just an amazing book of the Bible that just shows so much insight about they've just received these, um, they've witnessed who Jesus is, they've found out the truth of who he is. And what do they do? What do they do with, their, with that amazing um, information? 
Well, there's some incredible stories of healings, incredible stories of boldness, of um, Jesus uh, just being present through the Holy Spirit in these people, the early church, and it just expands dramatically as people hear the good news. It's pretty clear there's no secrets there. No secrets there. The early church understood that it was important for, for them to be able to tell as many, and it even spread not just within the Jews but to the Gentiles too, that um, the good news of Jesus Christ, the, the news about that the, 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 it's available for people right here, right now, it's not something that needs to wait until they get to heaven, that it's a, a, a real and abundant life that starts right now. So what about us then? That's the early church. That's the example from, uh, from what happened with Jesus and the, and the don't tell anyone um, messages that we've been looking at today. But what about us? Well, it's the same thing for us. That we, um, we've heard the, the truth. We've read the truth. We've ex- we might have experienced it personally. We might have witnessed it in others around us. And it's our responsibility to go and share the good news. It's our responsibility to bring heaven into people. Bring heaven into people. It's our responsibility to to talk about the things that we're learning, the things that we're struggling with. We talk to others around us to be intentional in doing that um, and understanding that it doesn't matter if we haven't got it worked out. It doesn't matter if there's things still happening that we're unsure of uh, or that we've got questions about. They're the things to share too. So there should be no such thing as a private faith. Last week we talked about that if we start with the heart and getting the heart right, that's the thing that governs the course of our life. So where we go from our heart, it determines what happens with our mind, our body, our social interactions and our soul. So we need to come back to the heart once again, come back to the heart. To be able to share Jesus with others means that we need to know who is governing our life. Is Jesus in charge of your heart? If he is, then it should start affecting all the different things, including what's coming out of our mouth, including what we do with our hands, including what we do with our bodies, where we go, what we say, what we think, who we talk to, what comes out of our mouth. It's all governed by Jesus in our heart. So we all need to be continually working out, well, how's our heart going and, and where's the health of our heart? What are we doing in order to keep our heart healthy? What are we doing to train our heart rather than just try? It's a saying that I've heard in my study uh, that it's all about training, not about trying. And you know, sometimes you just put so much effort into trying to do something and then it doesn't work. And it's like, ah, but I tried so hard. But if you train, it's a lot more of a, a bigger picture, isn't it? Training starts a whole lot earlier and you try things as you go with your training but nevertheless, it's a continual process. And what are the things that we can do in order to be training our heart? Well, and those around us as well. Well, we, 
we have the word. And if you don't have the word, if you don't have a Bible of your own, you're allowed to take one of the copies that we have at the back, just so you know. Feel free, take one home, it's yours. Do you know, for children, sometimes this one can be a little overwhelming. Um, lots and lots of words. There are other ones around and we've, it's been exciting to be able to provide different uh, Bible translations and different, uh, different versions of the Bible to, to children uh, over recent times. And, and this is one that some of, some of you children have received recently or that you might already have. It's called the Action Bible. But you know, there are some adults that might actually enjoy this a little bit better too. Uh, it's a comic strip version. So it's full of fantastic um, stories from the Bible and, and it gives you such a great overview of what Jesus did, but there's also a, a bigger version that has the Old Testament too. If you find it hard, too hard to read um, the full text, if you're not a reader, don't, don't think that that means that you can't get into the Word. I've had the pleasure of reading through this with my son Oliver and we love it, don't we, Ollie? Yeah, it's like... It's just very small snippets of, of, of stories. And every time we get to the end of one, it's sort of like that, you know, come on, one more, one more, one more. It's like, nah, sorry, it's bedtime. <laughs> but it's a, a fantastic um, way for me to even be um, getting into the word and having discussions with Ollie and other children who might be listening, because it's such a good listen to, um, just about about what, what comes up in these in the word. But if they're too not quite there yet, I have to just recommend this one. The Jesus Storybook Bible. If you've got grandchildren or you're in touch with children in some way and they're maybe sort of seven and under, um, this one is just such a great interpretation. Just it talks about Jesus right through the whole Old Testament. Everything is about Jesus, even though um, it's... Yeah, it's, it's, got, it's got a few little extras in it. It's just great, just really good. If you want a copy of this, I do have a copy available. So, you know, just come up and see me. I'm happy to gift that to you today because the more that we can speak in our homes, we can speak the word, you know, that's part of sharing. That's a really important part of what God's calling us to do in order to not only shape our own hearts but to shape the hearts of our children. Um, and those children around us that we come in contact with. So find a way that you can get into the Word. Find a way that you can get into the Word with your children as well um, because that's how we start to, to shape our heart. That's how we start to work out, well, okay, God, if you're in charge of my heart, then how does that play out into every other aspect of who I am and who you've called me to be? You know, another idea, another way we can do things is our times one that we've been talking about for a little while here. We can pray, we can intentionally pray for one other person to hear about Jesus. And we've got slips that are available out in the foyer just to uh, indicate so that you're more intentional about it, to actually write down who is your times one. You rip it off, keep one half for yourself and give one half to us and we can be praying for you as well in the who your times one is, just so that you can be 
um, reaching to one other person to say, I intentionally will be praying for this person uh, to hear about Jesus, to hear the good news about Jesus, because it hasn't stopped. It's not a secret. It's something that we need to be continually finding ways that we can share who we are. Now, it's not about, well, there are some that it's uh, applicable to, to be standing, uh, you know, in big forums and talking about God to whoever happens to be hearing, uh, whether that's out on the street corner or whatever that is. Sometimes that's the way to go. But mostly it's about relationships. Mostly it's about the people that you've come to love and cherish and that you want to share who you are, what God's been doing in you, and it naturally comes as a sharing point that you're sharing with them. So whether you're young or old or somewhere in the middle, it's still a part of your, um, your call to life is to be sharing with other people the good news of Jesus Christ. So we are the, we're, the, we're the holders of the light. Jesus gives us um, that incredible permission to be a part of ministry with him. So he calls us to be stepping into these things with him. You know, he calls us to have the power of the Holy Spirit within us, that we are his hands and his feet and his heart and his, and his love, that we are called to do those things, both collectively as a church family and also uh, individually as well. Sometimes, as we spoke as well last week, sometimes there's things that keep us back. Whether it's you're worried about what people might think, if you share about Jesus and they... Uh, don't accept Jesus as their saviour, does that become a blockage and a barrier? Just keep on loving them. Just love, 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 love. <laughs> Just Jesus calls us to love. And if it's, sometimes it can be the end of the relationship. It can be that people choose to just completely cut you off. And I'm really sorry if that's happened. Uh, once again, just love them even if they're unable to accept the personal interaction, just continue to pray for them and love them and just uh, let Jesus be in charge of that situation. It may be that you've tried some of these things before and it's been an, uh, a failure and you just don't want to go down that path again. I ask you to consider what Jesus wants you to do. If Jesus is in charge of your heart, what is he governing you in order to step into and do? He just wants us to step boldly into these things. And as we are trained, not as an army to go out and battle with uh, swords, but we are training, we are in training all of us to know more and more about Jesus, to know more and more about what he wants us to do collectively as a church family, but also for each of us individually that he's calling us to more and more to be bold in the things that we do and say. And if you don't know Jesus today, well, he is just waiting. He's waiting for you. He loves you to bits and he just wants to be in your heart too. He wants to be able to say to you, it's okay, you don't have to hold it anymore. You can give it over to me and I can be in charge. Jesus wants to be the ruler of our life. He wants to be taking those steps forward and, and revealing amazing things about where he wants you to be stepping into next. So don't be afraid.
that this could be the day that you say, okay, Jesus, okay, Jesus. How about we pray and the team can come up? Jesus, we are yours. Help us, Lord, to step into relationships. Help us, God, to step into conversations. Guide us and lead us in the ways that you want us to go. Whether it be words to say or nothing to say but listening ears. God, we don't want to hide your light. We want to put it out so that everyone can see. We want to share your light. Share you, Jesus, with those that we know and love. Sorry, God, for our lack of faith. Sorry, Lord, for our lack of action. Shape us. Strengthen us. Guide us, Jesus. And thank you that it's all because of your love that you just love us so immensely and richly and deeply. Amen.